Welcome to the Dairy Brothers Guardians cast, your best podcast spot for all things Cleveland Guardians baseball. Presented by WaitingForNextYear.com. Follow Matt on Twitter at Dairy Speaks and Todd at TD Guardians KU. The Dairy Brothers Guardians cast is on the air. So if somehow, some way, the Cleveland Guardians do not win the division, we might need to blame Elton John for this entire thing. We welcome you into the program on a Monday morning, a two days off now for your first place Cleveland Guardians, a one and a half game lead over the Minnesota Twins. Matt and Todd with you on the Evergreen Podcast Network, waiting for next year.com. Of course, always brought to you by the Center for Advanced Dentistry and Breaking Tea t shirts at breakingtea.com slash dairy. What's going on, brother? What, uh, where are we starting today? Hey, how you doing? Uh, right. Where are we starting today? You know what? Um, let's let's start with yesterday's uh, debacle. Debacle, yeah. Um, you know, I, I've done a little bit of research and I was trying to figure out what was going on exactly. And as you mentioned, the Elton John concerts and they had to resod the field, and the sod wasn't draining. And if you anyone who was watching, so it was on Peacock yesterday, so no one was probably watching because you were waiting to see if the game was actually going to be on in my two TV setup. I just had the television, the second television on. I was supposed to go to the game. So I was waiting to see when the tarp was being pulled. What were they, what were they running on Peacock? Like Jason Benetti eating hot dogs or something? No, no, no. So, so this is what they were running. Essentially when the game time started, they just had like a live camera with sound from the stadium just like an overview and it just said in a rain delay and you see the tarp and for a minute you know i was looking to see if it was live or if it was kind of just a paused screen with the tarp but it was live you could see people walking you know in the bleachers and stuff so and then occasionally they would cut in you know from time to time and like one time it was benetti and steve stone and and rick manning and Literally, Benetti was eating hot dogs and Cracker Jacks, and they were talking about sli- uh, mustard, the, you know, the hot dog mustard and that whole thing. And, and it was actually kind of funny. And then they would go back, and it would still be that same overview with the tarp on the field. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And then they come back, and they put up this graphic on the screen that said in 60 to 90 minutes, they're going to make a decision whether or not the field is playable. And they brought it back to the booth and they had this conversation and it said, it sounds like they're going to go and check it out. And then all of a sudden you see Tony La Russa, the genius, and Tito, the head groundskeeper, and the umpires, and they're walking in the outfield and they're looking. And the warning track was puddles. And apparently the field the drainage system, either either the, the new side wasn't draining or the drainage the drainage system was not working properly. So they made the determination that the game was going to be called, and so they called the game. And I think it was probably the right move because you can't be out there risking injury. Um, and, you know, on the bright side of this whole thing, which I got to give Cousin Matt credit on this because he texted me this last night. This was Dylan Cease versus Aaron Savali. <laughs> we might, not we might have this caught was, a break. This, this was a loss. I mean, potentially. Dylan Cease is a, you know as good of a pitcher as there is in the American League right now. Not having to face him. And you, we don't know when this game is going to be rescheduled, but it's possible now that that's one less time you have to face him with 
you know, Aaron Savali, who was your fourth starter. So maybe it was a blessing in disguise. I don't know, but it sounds like it was the Elton John new sod that cost them yesterday's game. You know, these teams, like, I, I get it. Like, I was at uh, Miller Park or whatever they call it now in Family Insurance Field or in, in Milwaukee a few you, weeks you ago. You Miller Park. That's fine. <laughs> and I was in Milwaukee, and they had that Def Leppard concert and all that in the outfield. But, again, that's indoors. And so the field's not going to get damaged. But at Comerica Park in Detroit, they did the same thing. They had Bruce Springsteen or somebody was playing at Comerica Park. And so it's when like... Bruce Springsteen was playing? Was it... Was it uh, uh... Baseball writers spawning all over the new tour. Did that happen? <laughs> There's an old bit. Not, that's not, that's an old that's a, that, that's an older bit than uh, Andre Knott versus Mustard. But uh, you know, I just if you have other venues in your city that can hold concerts, I never understand the concept of screwing around with your outfield during the season. You want know, you want to hold a concert in October when the season's over? Fine. You want to maybe have a I don't. Doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's just I stupid. I don't know how they picked that either because, like, Machine Gun Kelly played at the Brown Stadium, I think, either last week or two weeks ago. So they resided the field, and yesterday, the the clowns had no problem with it. <laughs> oh, they played. They played over at Haslam Field. <laughs> oh yeah. Jim right. Jimmy uh, Stadium. <laughs> oh, yeah. The good stuff. Good stuff. So, was the, should we break down Josh Dobbs? That's a good bit. Hard pass. Sorry. All right. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about a winning team. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it's just like, I don't know, it's just stupid. You have other venues. Could could could, could Elton John have played at is Blossom Music Center still a thing? Yeah, of course it is. Well, all right, Blossom's so, not big enough for, for – it really comes down to acts – of that stature, or either going to play the football stadium or the baseball stadium, or the Q, you know, or whatever they call it now, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Right. Quick and, yeah, whatever, whatever it's called. So anyway, the fact of the matter is the team, I mean, it would have been a huge game yesterday. It was on Peacocks. So it was semi-national. And, uh, you know, you get delayed because, and what, we've had 10 rainouts and 12 cancellations. I mean, this is ridiculous. It's nuts. Nuts! The what's, bad, the bad luck fun, they've had. What, what's funny is, remember when they were like behind the Twins by like seven games played, something like that. Now the Twins are behind us in games played. How about the Twins uh, gagging against the Rangers? I'm kind of enjoying that. Thank you, God, thank you, good. thank you, Texas. They got, they got smoked yesterday, seven nothing. Yeah, they did. How about that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, here's the thing. Thank you, Brad Ski Miller, a little two run single. This this division is so winnable. I mean, the Twins aren't the, the Twins pitching is not good. They they got that really good lineup, but you know they they went out and they added two guys to the pen. Jorge uh, Lopez has been, I think he's very shaky. Saves very, yeah, yeah, very shaky. Yeah, the Orioles. You know, it's funny because the Orioles sold high on him, and you know they're only two and a half games out of the wild card. Uh, and then they added Michael Fulmer, who blew one of his first couple opportunities and hasn't been that great. So, um, yeah, this division is so unbelievably winnable. No one's running. I mean, the Twins. The Twins had every opportunity to run away from us, and and we somehow have managed to weather the storm. And you know now we're coming up on another tough schedule run. So. Um, it, it like 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 we talked about so many times. We just say we let's get meaningful games in September, and and, and somehow get to October. And here we are. I mean, we're almost in September, 
And, uh, you know, your Cleveland Guardians hold a two-and-a-half game lead over, were they two-and-a-half up on the on the Twins? Two and and a, and a no, one-and-a-half one on the Sorry, Twins. one-and-a-half on the Twins and two-and-a-half. Two-and-a-half on the White Sox. The Twins will play today against the Rangers. Yeah. Uh, Guardians off today. They'll be in San Diego uh, with Mr. Belding for two games with the Padres uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then four-game series in Seattle um, against the Mariners Thursday through Sunday. There are opportunities sometimes when I switch over to the other broadcast just to uh, you know listen to them. And this will be a prime example this weekend where I will not switch over to the Seattle broadcast. That's not happening. But uh, you're, not, you're not a Dave Sims fan? No, no. And uh, Julio, yeah, baby. Oh, shut up. But uh, it's it's you know these are two very good teams they're playing this week again. I, I, sometimes I prefer a four game series because I think it's 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 difficult to win, but it's also difficult to lose. It's almost like hey, get the split and get out type of situation, and we'll go yeah. over the pitching matchups and everything else. But uh, this past week, Todd was certainly talking about a roller coaster. I mean, the games with uh, Detroit and the doubleheader, and then all of a sudden you and I did the show on Wednesday, and we're like, hey, they lost two in a row, then they bounce back and win two straight, and then Saturday night you just have to kind of tip your cap to Johnny Cueto, but the Friday game was unreal. Uh, the comeback, the eighth inning, uh, La Russa just, you know, uh, not going to his left-hander fast enough to get to Quan, leaves the right-hander in, Quan doubles, then La Russa um, intentionally walks Oscar Gonzalez with a 1-2 count, Um you know, it was, there was a lot that went on that night, but it was another gritty win, and it, it got a little national attention about, man, this this Cleveland team just never gives up because McKenzie was so good on Friday night with the 14 Ks, and it, it looked like he was going to lose the game 2-1. to one. And the guys just kind of put the ball in play, which is what we do, and next thing you know, you get you get a win. But then there hardly any chance for momentum because Saturday's game, Cueto, was great. And then uh, yesterday we had the whole uh, rain fiasco. Yeah, you know, the Friday night game was a real statement win. I mean, they, Tristan was so good. And for the second straight time, it looked like he was going to come up on the short end of it. He had, after seven, he came out, you know, he was, he was trailing, trailing two to one going into the bottom of the seventh with the, like you said, the 14 strikeouts and no walks. I mean, he is, I don't think that, you know, nationally anyone talks about our team or certainly, I bet if you, hold the average baseball fan they wouldn't even know who Tristan McKenzie was but he has just been so unbelievably good and again and I say this every single time I see him interviewed he just is the best kid ever I mean he just he's just the best I mean what a great great kid so it's so nice to see success happen for someone who you know uh, worked his ass off was injured first round pick you know, kind of two years ago when they brought him up out of no, we, we did not expect that he was going to get a shot that he did. And he's taken pretty much every advantage of it. And now he's, you know, he's your number two starter. And, uh, you know, the, you, you're going to need him to, to be this good down the stretch if you're going to make the playoffs. But the grit of this team, they just never seem to give up. And that, that seventh inning was just, uh, you know, it's so funny. I went to the, 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 that game was, was, very up and down. I can't remember what game it was, but there, were, there was another game earlier in the week. But there was a game earlier in the week where we made another massive comeback, and the game was so boring. And then, like the last, you know, we batted around. What, what game was that? You know what I'm talking that about? That was the uh, that was the Monday day game. 
Yes, against the Tigers. Well, they won, they won four to one, but they needed Jimenez's home run late to to seal it. Yeah, yeah, that was great. But but you know, you go into that seventh inning, and you know you, you, the big crowds this weekend, and the crowd was Friday night's crowd was really good. I mean, they were really into it. And you know, you're you're you're. Nolan Jones strikes out to start it, and we'll talk about him in a minute. And then, you know, Luke, Luke Maley doubles, and then Miles Straw, we'll talk about him in a minute, grounds out. And it's already, it's two outs, and you're like, oh, great. This, and you're thinking, LaRusso's got to be going to the lefty to face Quan here, right? It's just, you know, and he didn't. Quan triples, and he's, you know, flying around those bases, and he comes up, and he's fired up, you know, tying the game. And then Ahmed hits that single, you know, that, that single between short and third, to give him the 3-2 lead and you know and then then Larusa emerges from his tomb <laughs> awakens from his tomb to to bring in Deekman to to flip uh Jose to the right side of course he walked him and Taylor and then Andres again comes through poking that into the hole on the left side and, you know next thing you know it's 5-2 and 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 they close it out but that was one of those really big time wins where you're like, yeah, we lose this game and then tomorrow they lose and all of a sudden the White Sox are tied or ahead. Now you got that two and a half game lead over them and and uh, it was just it, all around. It's just it showed so much about this team and the grit and they never give up and just their style of play. They hang around, they hang around, they hang around, and they somehow come up with those big time hits at the yeah. end of the game when they need them. It was back to back games really because the Wednesday. Night game against Chafin was the same thing with two outs and we were dead. And yeah, I think that was the game. I'm talking that was about the game. Yeah, yeah, that was, that the, was game. the game. That was yeah. the wild pit. The the pass ball or the yeah the wild pitch on uh, Eric Haas Strike or whatever. The, yeah, the, the it was this the, the <clears throat> third strike. It would have been two yeah. outs. And... So we were down what four two and scored six in the eighth, and then we scored four in the seventh. The next game. Now there was a you know off day in between. I mean, these guys are pretty. The platoon is pretty rested right now. <laughs> Because uh, we had an off day Thursday, and now we're going to have off day Sunday and Monday before playing in San Diego tomorrow. So I hope that you know there's not any oh, kind those of guys, rust. Know, those guys were were sitting around all day yesterday, and they sat around all day Saturday. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying this; they didn't play. I get it, but like I bet they were at the stadium longer than they would have been if that game had started on time. True. True, but uh, no, it was. It, it, there were a couple of interesting wins for sure. Some of these comebacks against Detroit, where they, you know, they had. I mean, you know, we talked about this last week. I mean, how do you beat Kevin Gosman and some of the guy and, and Barrios, who hasn't had a great year, but he's still a legitimate pitcher? And then you know, Garrett Hill shuts you down. Um, Brian Garcia, and uh, I was trying to remember yeah. who, who the who the other starter was on Wednesday. We had to come back against the bullpen, but. Um, for Detroit, but it was just like, come on, guys, like let's hit the baseball. But they they never quit, they never die. You're right. And now, I mean, there's going to be some changes. I mean, Nolan Jones was just sent down, and he was playing a lot. But then over the last couple of weeks, Todd, he hasn't really played a lot. You know, Oscar no, Gonza- right. Oscar Gonzalez is definitely almost the everyday right fielder, uh, and if not, he's DHing, so he's in there every day. So I see yesterday's move. Uh, and I get it. Like, yeah, we want to see Nolan, but if he's not, he needs at bats. He needs to play. And if you bring up Richie Palacios, he's a great pinch hitter. He can play all over the diamond, infield and outfield. And he's more of that utility fit than Nolan Jones is. Nolan Jones needs to play. And right now, with the way Quan's playing, 
And the way Oscar's playing and the Naylor needing to DH some days, there really are not enough at-bats for Nolan Jones right now. I I don't have a problem with that move at all. I, I don't either. Um, he has really struggled lately. Um, I, I, you know, we're not in the place right now where you're going to play a young guy like that and let him, because we're going for the division. You got to play the guys that are, that are, you know, that are working. I mean, he, this month, Nolan Jones is five for 30 with 14 strikeouts. So, you know, it's, it's obviously hasn't been working for him. And by the way, he had three of those five hits in one game in that eight, nothing win in Toronto last Friday. So really you take that game out of the mix and he's really cold. Um, As you mentioned, Richie Palacios is allegedly coming up today. Earlier in the season, he was the best left-handed pinch hitter off the bench. And he really, the, the, the organization, Tito, the front office continued to talk about how it's so hard for a young kid to come up and handle that role. And Richie handled it so unbelievably well. He's well liked in that in that room, like you said. You know, he can play second base, he can play corner outfield, and he has handled that pinch hit role so well. So I have no problem with it. What's interesting to me is that they've essentially chosen Will Benson over Nolan Jones here because Will can play center field, and the way Miles Straw is going, you're probably going to see Benson getting more at bats in center field. But it's not like Will Benson is setting the world on fire. No, he, I mean, he's not. He's not a major. He's not a major league player right now. I'm, I, yeah, he's got. He's good on the. He's good on the bases and he can defend. But at the plate, he's not. A, he's not anywhere close. I, I don't mean, think. I'm not, re- I'm not ready to call that yet. But yes, in AAA, you know, he had huge power numbers this year. Like he, I think his OPS was over 900. I mean, he was really. He he worked his way to get that call. You know, I mean, he he was not he wasn't on any of our. I mean, listen, he's on our radar because he's a former first round pick. But at at this point, you know, we were essentially like he's a lost cause. He's never going to make it. But uh, you know, he's he's only had twenty five at bats, so he's three for twenty five. That's not great with nine strikes. Well, yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying we just shun him or snub his family no, 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 and no. snub his family at a bat mitzvah. But I mean, I think that we've got to. Give him an opportunity to maybe get a couple more ABs on this trip, but if he can't hit, he, yeah, I mean, I guess he's just for now a utility guy. But I would have rather seen Nolan Jones get some of those at bats, whether it was first base or D, putting him at first or DHing in some of these games where Benson was playing. But I guess he is the backup center fielder now that Palacios is is back. Um, you know, yeah, is our not, he, is, is our he, best he lineup when when with if Quan's in, in center? That was my. That was the next thing I was going to say. He now it seems like he just wants Quan and left. So Quan Quan played a little bit of center field before Ben's, you know, an occasion. But he seems Tito seems to be fixated on keeping Straw out there as much as possible. Which I, I, for the life of me, I don't. I, you know. Thank God he had that single against Detroit on Wednesday in that big inning. Because other than that, I mean, he just he's a mess at the plate. I I have defended him for a really long time because he is so superior out there in center field. He really is. I mean, he glides. He he, he just he gets to everything. He makes smart plays. He's you know we talked about this in the midweek pod last week. He made this great move where 
earlier in the week where he faked like the ball was going to drop yeah. in front oh, of him yeah. and he caught it and then threw it to first and Owen Miller dro- for the double play and Owen Miller dropped the ball. But Quan played center a few times this year. I, I'm trying to look up how many games it says. He it says as a center fielder, he's had 12 at bats. So let's say he's played three games in center field. Not e- not even three. Yeah, I yeah. guess three. Yeah, three. And, and there were a couple. I, I remember made a very a good. He times. made a very good catch in spring training. Remember, he was in center and he made that great catch at the wall. Yes, but I also remember a few times where he didn't take charge and uh, in center field. And and listen, I love Stephen Kwan. He's he is rapidly rocketing to the top of my favorite Guardians players. I just oh, he's amazing. He's about. amazing. But but I think he is best in in left field. But that means you're either going to have to have Miles Straw, who literally cannot hit, or Will Benson, who you have no idea what he can do in center field. And right now, I don't see them going to be experimenting with Stephen Kwan in center. You know, down the stretch, and and I, I just I don't see that happening. I think he's going to continue to play straw and ride it out, uh, despite the fact that straw. Here, I, I I just I, his at bats are. Remember earlier in the year, and he came over with this uh, this reputation of he works counts. Yes, he yeah. walks. He puts the ball in play. Yeah, high contact guy. You know, just perfect for what the Crystal Lake. Uh, um, you know, the hype is all about, but he, those at bats are gone. It's like every time now he's swinging early, he's gr- he grounds out to the right side nonstop, or he's popping the ball up. I mean, he, he's he's in his last fifteen games, and he's he is two for his last thirty nine. Yeah, he's no confidence. You feel bad for him. I mean, I, but but what doesn't make any sense to me is the adjustments that aren't being made. You just see it. I mean, we watch every game. He's not adjusting, and he looked like he had it back last month a little bit, and he was starting to take more pitches. He was starting to just, you know, he was swinging again. I mean, there were his slump in June or whatever it was earlier in the year. He wasn't even swinging. He was just trying to like put the ball in play, and you're right, serve it. And it was pop-ups. Now he's swinging a little better, but you know Chris Valeka has done such a great job as the hitting coach, and it's uh, been a fresh voice in that room. And I think that the guys have responded, and they've they've talked about working with with you know the guys have talked about working with him and getting better. And you see players developing. You know Jimenez has improved, Quan has improved. Players have gotten better under Valeka, but the, the straw situation is a head-scratcher because you're right. You have got to have some veterans on the team. You can't play all the rookies. You can't, you can't play a playoff game with Will Benson and left Quan in center and, uh, exactly. and Gonzalez and right. You've got, right. You've yeah. got to have a, a, some, some veteran players there. But, you know, Tito has pinch hit for him sometimes late in games and a tough righty's on the mound, and he's brought in uh, well, you know, he's, Jones, he's just, Jones or Benson, but... He, he's only done that like once or twice, though. He he's also let Straw hit way too many times late in games. He did this week. There, there was a time. I well, he let Straw hit against Chafin because Chafin was left-handed. Well, well, that I understand, but you know, when when you have a guy who for the month of August is five for fifty-seven, which is o eighty-eight with the on-base percentage of one seventeen. I mean, he's not even drawing walks either. You know, in April and May, April he had thirteen walks. In seventy nine, and uh, he had thirteen walks. In May, he had fourteen walks. 
you look at July, uh, uh, only six, and August, he's only walked twice this month. So something is just way off of him, but like his at-bats are so bad. I mean, I have no problem. If you want to, if he wants to play Benson more in center and then in the seventh inning, take him out with a lead and put straw in center, I'm all for that plan. Let's, let's see, let's, let's see Will Benson get an extended, you know, run. I don't think he's that great. No, I don't don't either. But, but at least he can't, here's put it this way. He can't be doing any worse than Straw's doing right now. (laughs) That's for sure. Well, I I wouldn't have an, I wouldn't have an issue with, I wouldn't have an issue with Palacios and left sometimes and Quan in center. I wouldn't. Because I think Quan may do that with yeah. you, I could see that happening. But Palacios really isn't an outfielder. I mean, they put him there, and he's played there. Right. I mean, they're playing Gabe Arias in the outfield, trying a lot of different things in the minors right now. Yeah. With Arias, remember they? Call. I mean, Benson was at first base for a little while because they were worried about Naylor, and then now Arias has played some first and some left. I mean, they're trying anything because Gabe is hot at Columbus. He's he's been scorching well, hot over the last few weeks. So. Which here, you know what that brings me to another good point. Why has Tyler Freeman all of a sudden gone onto the milk carton? It's like this week he barely played. Well, the team barely played. (laughs) We had a bunch of days off. That's true too. But I I mean, the obsession with Owen Miller is like absurd to me. I mean, you got why? Why is Freeman not getting the bat of Owen Miller? Explain that one to me. Well, Freeman has never played first base, probably. You but know? there's but there, you but you could move things around. There there are ways to get him in there instead of. They have. There I mean, are. I think I think you'll see a mad DH one of these games this week where Freeman would play short. Uh, you'll see a game where Jose will DH and Freeman will play third. We've seen Freeman play third. He's made some really nice plays. Uh, he looks le- legit. You know, heck heck He's let's pretty- heck, heck let's bring up Bo Naylor. Let's do this thing. Let's just let's just get crazy. There was like that. Well, I don't know about I don't know about that, but there, there was there was there was that um, there, there was that stretch on Friday night where Hedges got hurt. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, it was like Bo Naylor. It was going all over Twitter. Bo Naylor was yanked from the game in Columbus. You know, they pulled him in the middle of the game, and Bo Naylor's going to be on his way up. And then it turned out they had Lavastida come up, and he was here, but they never activated him. And then struck up. Hedges wasn't supposed to play on Sunday either, which was interesting. The day game after the night game, they probably wanted to just, you know, knowing that they had the day off, give Hedges the extra day of rest. But it sounds like Hedges will be fine. So, oh, and if you're and if you're Hedges, yeah. you want to play this week in San Diego. It's your former team. You're going back back Absolutely. to California. So he sounds like he's okay, which is fine. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right for that hour to two hour stretch. Uh, Justin Latta and some of these people tweeting out, "Hey." Naylor's been pulled from Columbus, and it's like, oh my gosh! And he had hit a home run. He, I know he'd been struggling a little bit the last couple of weeks uh, at the plate, but that would have been interesting if if the Hedges injury would have been more severe. Yeah. But it's not. But it's not. But like you said, I mean, we've got some organizational depth. It's it's cool and it's fun. But again, young guys down the stretch, eight games over five hundred, game and a half lead. Can it? Can they sustain it? Like you said, the schedule's not getting. I mean, San Diego, Seattle, Baltimore's no joke. Seattle again. Seven to ten against Seattle coming up. Yeah, Seattle. What is it? Seattle, Toronto, and who's the third team? Are all tied? And Tampa are all kind of tied for that. For the the three, those are the three wild card teams right now, and they're all they're all even. Yeah. So I just 
I just, I'd like to see more of Freeman and less of Miller just because we know what Owen Miller is. He's got, first of all, Tito keeps playing him against lefties. He's a reverse splits guy. He, he, he's hitting 186 with a 584 OPS against lefties. What about Tito? What about Tito Puente? Hey, Tito Puente is going to be dead. (laughs) And, uh, you're going to say, I've been listening to his music and he's fantastic. Um, no, but seriously, he's a, he's a reverse splits guy where he, he hits, 80 points higher and has an OPS of 100 points higher against righties than he does against lefties. Yet every single time there's a lefty on the mound, Owen's in the lineup. It, it, so I don't know what they're doing there. I also don't understand why you continue to play a guy who, you know, he's, he's you know, hitting 188 in August. He hit 191 in June. He hit 211 in May. I mean, this, this, he hasn't had an OPS over 640 in a month since April, I mean, it's, it's, it's 575, 513, 640 and 542. I mean, he's not doing anything and he's a terrible defensive player. So at least if I saw Tyler Freeman out there, I could, I could be like, all right, I know this guy's, first of all, he gets hit by a pitch more than any, he's like, you know, a pin cushion up there. He's always getting hit. Tyler Freeman, he's, he's no Brandon yeah. Geyer, but he's close. He's like, Andre Semenez, like Andre Semenez gets hit too a lot. Oh, Andre's too. But the, the, there's there's more speed, there's better defense, and how much worse could his hitting be than Owen? That's my point. And I know that Tito loves Owen for some reason. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. But you know what? We're doing sitting here doing all this bitching. We're in first place. That's right, baby. <laughs> That's right. Dairy Brothers Guardians cast brought to you by our friends at the Center for Advanced Dentistry and also BreakingTea.com, where there is a new T-shirt out. I've got to tweet this out today. Captain Clutch, Andres Jimenez T-shirt is out. Get it at BreakingTea.com slash dairy. We put out the APB a couple weeks ago, folks, and you're not stepping up. We need our listeners to shop at Breaking Tea. Get your stuff. Get your gear. The 25000 at uh, Friday's game, 26000 at Saturday's game. Some of the Guardian stuff is cool uh, from the team shop. I'm not going to hate. We're in a good mood. But if you love players, your favorite players, Andres Jimenez or Jose Ramirez or Shane Bieber, if you're a Tito fan, the In Tito We Trust shirt is sweet, get it at BreakingTea.com slash Dairy, D-E-R-Y. Go there now, and it takes you right to the Cleveland Collection. Yes, Brown season is getting closer uh, feel the excitement, all right? If you want an Amari Cooper shirt, Miles Garrett, get it at breakingtea.com slash dairy. All their stuff is really cool, and they represent all the all the favorite all your favorite teams. Like I said last week, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan and you listen to this podcast or whatever, um, check all the stuff out. Just start it off by going to breakingtea.com slash dairy, D-E-R-Y. Um, what else is on the list? Because I'm uh, I'm slacking. I'll tell, I'll tell you what. So this week in in more minor league news, Brian Rocchio, who is one of many shortstops of the future in this organization, was moved up to AAA, uh, which is great. Uh, he's had a great season in Akron. Um, I've long thought. Now, Ags and I had this conversation this weekend because he is. Ahmed's number one fan, as you know. There's another old he, dude. He, he wants to extend Ahmed, and I'm like, you're not doing that. I'm like, he's he's got two years left of club control, where he's he's going to be an arbitration eligible. I think that it, I think going into this season, they figured, okay, this will be one more year of Ahmed, and then we'll deal him. But I think 
next year will be Ahmed's final year. That's my prediction because you can start Roquan. I think the way that I look at it, Andres Jimenez pretty much, they don't play him at shortstop anymore. It just doesn't happen. I think that they have decided that Andres is going to be the second baseman for the foreseeable future. And he's and, and he's a damn good one. He's a damn good one. Of course. And and the second base is going to come down to whoever emerges between Rokio and Arias for now. And I think that's going to be Rokio. It's not a coincidence that Arias played corner outfield all of a sudden this week for the first time, played first base all of a sudden for the first time, and then Rokio was brought up and is playing shortstop. Uh, that That's not by coincidence. So I think uh, in, in a perfect world, Ahmed is Owen Miller or Tyler Freeman and is one day at third, one day at short, one day at second, one day in the corner outfield, and you play him every day and he hits second. But as we know, they tried him in the outfield and they abandoned it after essentially one game, and Quan has now taken over left field, and Ahmed's done a nice job at shortstop. Yeah, he has. He has, yeah. Yeah, the way things are going, I mean, could his range be better? Sure, but the way things are going, the rest of this year, that's going to be your up the middle, and I also think next year, going into next year, that's going to be your your two guys up the middle. So, but it's interesting to note that Rokio is in AAA now, and that Arias is kind of all over that field, yeah, uh, you know, in AAA. Now, the other interesting thing that I noticed this weekend was, you know, Cody Morris. I I brought this up last week, but he's on a sixty day DL, and I believe at the end of this month he has to be added to the forty man. And that is correct. I mentioned, and I mentioned him as the potential addition power arm that could be used. He, he again looked good this week. I see him kind of beat, you know, as a, as a possibly taking over that, you know, Eli Morgan role that where Eli was so good and effective earlier in the year. They just kind of used him all over, you know, whether if their key spot was in the sixth or if the key spot was in the eighth. You know, I'm not saying you, you pin that all down on Cody Morris, but he he's a guy that – you know, would, would have been your sixth starter and probably has a spot in the bullpen moving forward for the rest of the season if you bring him up and would be an effective guy. The other thing that I saw in terms of relievers was Carlos Vargas. And you and I talked about him. He's on the 40 man. He coming off of Tommy John surgery, he was, you know, a starting pitcher through hard, but he kind of has this bullpen feel to him. He's throwing triple digits up there. And, you know, Jeremy uh, and I and Dr. Borland went, you know, we went on our scouting trip. Vargas came in and pitched two innings and looked pretty good when we saw him. But in his last 10 and two-thirds innings, he has 11 strikeouts and hasn't allowed a run. And all of a sudden now, you know, you look up and you're like, all right, this guy's – he's already on the 40-man, so he doesn't have to be added. Why not – you know, when, that, when the rosters go to 29, if they need another power arm, and I, I know that Andre shot this down when I brought it up uh, – earlier uh, this season because of where he is but i could see carlos vargas getting a look what do you think well if you i mean you're gonna have to add some people uh expanding the roster which is which is a bonus besides ernie clement yes i mean and i think that uh adding more bullpen arms is right up tito's alley he loves he would love to add you know he wish he would love to have 15 16 arms in the bullpen (laughs) you know i mean that's not realistic but you know what i mean and i think that uh they don't have anybody. I mean, Jake Jewell, Nick Enright, and Jewell's no longer with the team. I think he's with the Twins now. But they had all these ham and eggers down there and these 4A specials down there. You know, Mick, Mick Alajak, I think they thought was going to be something, and he hasn't been good all year. 
But you look in Columbus and you go, you're right. I mean, the young kids and more of the converted starters like Morris and like Vargas are probably the way to go. Uh, Maybe even Pilkington. I mean, Battenfield came up for the Toronto series, and he was in the bullpen, basically, because Karinczak couldn't couldn't go. I'm sorry, 99. Thank you. He's pitched very well, uh, by the way. And um, I'll continue to say it. But they... Yeah, that, that, that wouldn't be a bad move. They're going to add some arms for the stretch run. It's just a matter of who it is. And like you said with Vargas, he's already on the 40-man. You are Mr. 40-man. So, uh, Damn right. Yeah. You're the king of the pitching matchups. I'm the king of the 40-man. <laughs> Whatever it takes to get us through. Whatever it takes. But I think it's a good call. Um, I don't know if there's anybody from AA that's ready to come up. I remember a couple of years ago. Who's the left-hander, and he's now... Vargas is in, in AA, so... No, but who's, the, who's the left-hander that we had at, uh, at AA years ago that we brought up? He's now with the uh, Diamondbacks. Why, am I, why, is, why is my name his name escaping me? And I think he came up left-handed, from AA. Left-handed, left-handed reliever? Yeah. Who's on our team? Al, Mor- Al Mormon? No. Al Mormon. <laughs> no, the left... No, the left, the left. He's with the Diamondbacks now. Joe Mantiply. No, he was. We oh, never. Oh, I got it. Kyle Nelson. Kyle Nelson was in Double A, I believe, and then we brought him up. I believe wasn't he at Double A when we brought him up? Could be a few years I think ago. So. so that's you know it's possible, but that's the beauty of this name, organization. I just wanted to name more left-handed, random left-handed relievers from our from from, from that era. Yeah. How about Tom Donna Martin? <laughs> uh, I remember him, sure. What about the Australian Cameron Karen Cross? Do you remember that guy? What about the broadcast inter- doing doing all these interviews this week? I get that like they're doing the Indians char- or Guardians charities, and then it's like no, with Matt Collig. You, you got to remember Matt Collig is is in the owner the new ownership group. Right? No, so no, no, I get that he's one. A huge but like sponsor, and he can do whatever. The- But, like, we're in a pennant race. Do I need an inning and a half of Dennis Martinez, like, reminiscing about the Orioles, being on the Orioles staff with Tippy Martinez and Mike Cuellar and Scott McGregor? Like, I'll pass. I love El Presidente. I just need him for half an inning. I don't need the full inning. He he was on the pregame show. I saw that. He was in the the booth with uh, Matt and Rick, and Andre even asked some questions. That was Friday or or Saturday? Uh, might have been, been Saturday. Might have been Friday night. Okay. Or right. Wednesday against Detroit. It was one of them. No, it's cool to see some. It was definitely over the weekend. It was cool to see. I think it was Friday night. It was cool to see El Presidente. I get it, but we're in a pennant race right now. I don't need a. I don't need a talk show. I need a, the game to be called. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Joining us in the booth now, Kenny Lofton. Oh, Kenny, that's. Yeah, tell us about okay. that catch. Yeah, yeah. Tell us about so. that catch against B.J. Sirhoff for the 500th time. Okay, now I'm going to defend them. I'm going to defend the, them on one thing. You know that our fan base, as lame as they can be, loves them some 90s tribes. So you bring out anybody from that era, and everyone's excited about it. Coming right? up I mean, coming up next, Mike Jackson's going to join us. Like, oh, I love Mike Jackson. He can be in the booth all day. He's good, man. but, like, uh, come on. We're in a pennant race. We're, we're not We're not 10 under 500. We're not the <laughs> unnamed team. I mean, that does, okay, you, you do bring up a good point. This isn't like we're out of it and they're – doing stuff for nostalgia purposes. These games are meaningful. You know? I, I, I'm hey, everybody. Fan. Hockey Town. Uh, Red Wings are coming up. Dylan Larkin's in the booth. Yeah, that's a team that's 30 games below 500. 
Yeah, fine. You want to talk some pucks? Larkin is in the booth. (laughs) That's what bad organizations do. They bring in their hockey players in the booth. We're in first place. Stop. You're right. You're right. You're right. All right. So here. uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, listen to that. MD cough, baby. Oh, it's back. Welcome back. (laughs) And better than ever. Oh. Oh, yeah. Good God. You know what? I'm just doing, before you get to the pitching matchups, I'm just looking like I just like pulled up the roster just for a second. I don't know why. Eric Plunk's in town. Let's bring him it's, in the booth. It's so bizarre. Hey, Plunky. If you would have told, told me on April 1st that our four outfielders on September 1st would be Will Benson, Oscar Gonzalez, Stephen Kwan, and Miles Straw. Like those, are, that's the four outfielders. And Richie Palacios. That's, that's five. Right, well, no, no, no. I know, but I, it, he's not listed on the roster yet. Uh, but it's just so weird to see it that way. It is. It is. I love that they're playing the kids. I got no problem with it. They're winning. It's, it's fine. Working. I mean, right? It's working. Who? Oh, and you, the, who do you want to pick up? I mean, who's out there? You know, who you? The next guy up is Will Brennan. He's a kid too. It's not like there's some. They're not bringing. If they brought Oscar Mercado back up just for shits and they're giggles, not they're not do doing that. that. You, you know that's not happening. But I'm saying that's what they did earlier in the year. <laughs> They've turned a different yeah. page now in the book. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to look go back and you know at the end of the year if you could have that conversation. I mean, they would never answer the question, but if you were to say, you know, looking back on it, did you think it was a mistake to like what was the point of the Oscar Mercado experience? Although I will say, I believe like the first three weeks, Mercado was hitting the ball pretty well. Didn't he? Didn't he? Did he start yeah, at the start of the well? year, yeah, yeah, he homered and yeah. he had a grand slam in Cincinnati to start the season. And he did. Uh, he did. He did fine. And, and Kansas City too. He had two home runs at the start of the year. But I think they will tell you. I think if you asked Tito in October, hey, what was the deal at the start of the year? Why didn't you just have the kids? He would have said the kids needed time and seasoning yeah, in Columbus. April, you know, the April in Cleveland. They love that bit. Oh yeah, <laughs> they love that bit. Oh yeah. So, all right, let's get out of here and do the pitching matchups. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday. So we got a nine forty game tomorrow night. Uh, Guardians in San Diego to take on the Pods. A uh, couple of former teammates yeah. going at it. Aaron Savali and Mike Clevenger. Pretty cool. Clev's not hurt? He's actually healthy? All right. He's actually pitching pretty well, too. I'm, I'm going to be curious to see if they decide to push Savali back. I don't think they will, but you know, they haven't... This, this is just what we see, and they pushed Savali a day, but... but uh, how they want to line things up. Is, they could, is, yeah, they could because they they you you have Savali pitching. If if Savali pitches Tuesday, which is where everybody has it listed, Tuesday um, and Sunday in Seattle, then you would have right. But then you would have Plesac and Savali back to back Friday, Sunday, or Saturday and Sunday. <clears throat> that the question is, do you want that? Do you want that? Right, you Quantrill could pitch. I can answer that question. No, <laughs> <laughs> Quantrill could pitch. Tuesday and Savali could pitch Wednesday. You could flip flop them that way. You're not having Savali and Plesac back to back. But for now, it's listed both uh, both on ESPN and on the MLB app as Savali and Clevenger Tuesday. Cal Quantrill against uh, his old team, the Padres, on Wednesday afternoon. A four ten start Wednesday and Thursday afternoon. Crazy. Uh, very very bizarre. I have no idea why Seattle is playing a. Th- First game of a four game homestand at three ten or you know at, at, at uh, one ten local time. That, that's weird to me. Well, Quantrill this weekend, by the way, cousin Matt told me this because you know Seattle. He lives in Seattle. 
Um, I think they're retiring Ichiro's jersey this weekend. Oh, really? I'm actually, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, they haven't done that yet. No, because he. I don't think he retired that long ago. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. He, yeah. Their Saturday is when they're retiring his jersey. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that's an FS1 yeah. game. Uh, Quantrill and you Darvish on Wednesday, so two pretty good pitchers back-to-back for the Padres. Thursday afternoon, uh, Mom's birthday, 410. Hey, now. Tristan McKenzie against Marco Gonzalez, the left-hander, Friday night, 10-10 on Apple TV. Shane Bieber, uh, Shane Bieber and uh, Logan Gilbert. No relation He's to Gilbert. Great. No relation to Gilbert Lowe. Um <laughs> Saturday night. 10% capacity, by the way. Yeah, he's Gilbert. good. He's Excellent. good. Zach Plezak and Luis Castillo. Of course, the Mariners picked up from the Reds at the deadline. And then Sunday, Robbie Ray and Aaron Sabatley. Yeah, so two lefties. That's going to be tough. Gilbert, Castillo, and Ray are all really good. Yeah, they are. So um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, I don't know. Do we play well in Seattle? There's sometimes we do, sometimes you don't. Our old buddy Carlos Santana swinging a decent bat for the uh, for the Mariners right yes, now. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. They're they're playing some good ball. Um, they have a good this team. This is going to be a tough stretch. This is a very tough stretch, essentially between now and Labor Day, because you got like we said, you know, you got the two with San Diego as a playoff team. You got the four in Seattle, which is another playoff team. The Orioles are playing great ball, and then. You know, for three at home, and then you got another three with Seattle. So, looks like they're going back to those weeknight six ten starts, or they already started doing that. That start that's in September. Yeah. Well, no, in August. Yeah. I mean, the Baltimore games are all six ten. Oh yes, yes, they are. Well, it's essentially because that starts the new homestand. But yes, they are. Right. So. All right. Well, uh, great show as always. No F one talk. We uh, avoided that. Thank God. Anything else you want to uh, say? Wait, hold on, hold on. We gotta say that again. F, yeah. I said, I said it's F one. F one summer break is over. The executive producer very excited. Got a nice text this morning in our F one chat. It's race week, baby. <laughs> Wait, you have an F one chat? Yes, I do. I have an F one chat, and we have our F our inaugural F one dinner Friday night. <laughs> Jeez. What a, what a geek! What a geek fest that must be. It's all good, man. But let me tell you something. It's very <laughs> exciting. It's we're, we're very exciting for for the big race in Spa this weekend. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I have I have nothing to add to that. That's exciting. Where's the race? In Spa. What's Spa? What's that? You don't know. You don't know. Uh, I don't know anything on the on F one. Is Spa a country? Uh, spa race track. Spa's in Belgium, <laughs> my friend. Oh, okay. Oh, it's the name of the yeah. track. Gotcha. Yes. I remember when big I was working. Big raceway there in Belgium. I remember when I was big working. Track. At, I, was, I, was, I was about to say, I remember working at HK in the 90s, and uh, so people used to call up Rizzo and Brynus' show, and they'd be like, Tony just played 18 out at uh, Palm Hills. Great track. Great track. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I got that from. Great track. That's I know. totally where I got it from. What's the what's the what's the par three course in Lyndhurst? What was, what's that called? Oh, it doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't? Uh, dude, that's been gone for 30, 25 <laughs> years. The par three in Lyndhurst, like at the corner of Cedar and, and Brainerd. Yeah, on Brainerd. And Brainerd. Yeah. Was, Good times. It was called uh, Good Times. Oh, Good oh, times. Lander Haven? Was it Lander Haven? 
it was no, it was bilander even. But I, I know that Doctor Borland, the P one listener, was listening to this, and he would he would know the answer because no one loves obscure old Cleveland trivia quite like he does. Really, really. I'll come up with it at some point. Tony just played nine at Oakwood last week. Great track, great track. Tell Wink I said hey. Oakwood may it rest in peace. <laughs> That's right. All right, that'll, that'll, I don't know how where we ended this thing at the forty-eight minute mark, but we did. Uh, Dairy Brothers Guardians Cast Evergreen Podcast Network. Our friends at WaitingForNextYear.com. Thanks for listening. Book it. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies, big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.